This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. talent hustler on an all-new friday the 13th i'll tell him if i have to was his talent for reading minds the real thing what was it that gave him this terrifying new power i'll challenge you imagine a device that lets you hear thoughts and stops anyone who stands in your way the sounds of haunted hearing on an all-new friday the 13th the series This is the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zeneca. In tonight's episode, Mr. Zeneca has the episode synopsis for us for uh, Season 3, Episode 5. Tonight's episode, Stick It In Your Ear, originally aired October 16th, 1989. A commercial psychic uses a mystic hearing aid to read the thoughts of his audience. This reminded me a lot of charlatans, um, like the uh, those. Um, what's the name of that guy who talks to ghosts? John Edwards. Oh yeah, John Edwards. Yeah, <laughs> I immediately thought a lot about him while watching this episode because I don't. I think those people are just full of crap. Well, yeah, it's a bunch of cold reading. Um, plants in the audience like in this episode jack actually mentions you know he was a magician and there was a plant in the audience when people did this type of trick and that's completely true like these types of um mentalism where you know someone's blindfolded and it's like guess what i have in my hand those are all staged like there's nothing real there the episode is directed by Douglas Jackson, who has television credits to his name, nothing which I've ever seen before, other than episodes of uh, The Twilight Zone and The Ray Bradbury Theater. Um, also co-written, once again, by Frank Mancuso Jr., seems to be very uh, much a staple of season three. So when we have a chance to have um, uh, our... Uh, uh, shit... God, his fucking name. What's the name of the writer that we have on all the time? Jim Henshaw. Okay, when we have Jim Henshaw on the show, um, back on the show, we'll have to talk to him about, like, why did Frank Mancuso Jr. become so heavily involved in season three? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll have to ask him. Uh, The episode other writer is John Ezrin, who's written stuff that I've never seen either. Um... (laughs) The the men's room was a TV series. Uh, Super Force uh, episode of Swamp Thing. Oh, he was the story behind. He was the writer behind Witchboard Three: The Possession. I like the first one. I have never seen the sequels. <laughs> um, they couldn't use uh, a Ouija board. Uh, I guess Ouija board's copywritten by Hasbro. Um, yeah, because yeah. that's their their trademark game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the thing that can summon the devil and the demons and all sorts of bad spooky shit. Is you know what? You know what? There's a lot of people that think that about Ouija boards, but really it's your own subconscious moving your hands in that direction. I've never actually seen one work in any sort of supernatural way. And I've got friends that just collect Ouija boards and use them all the time. And No, man, it, that's just yourself. There's nothing there. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Um, 
Ouija Board is also the same company that has uh, ownership over My Little Pony, G.I. Joe, and the Transformers. Legit! <laughs> um, the episode's villain is played by Wayne Best, who looks completely different on his IMDb page versus like what he looks like in the episode. Uh, he was in Short Circuit 2. Uh, he's in a... Romeo that was such a good movie! He's from Romeo and Juliet, which is, I guess, coming out soon. Um, he was on the Nero Wolf Mystery Show. Hmm. Uh, he was in the Avengers the United They Stand um, cartoon series in the early 2000s. He played Scorpio, uh, who actually happens to be the son of Nick Fury in some continuities. And All right. as well as Christopher Bondi, who's in this episode, who is in one of the Left Behind movies, and also on Meet Nicks. The Chippendale Murders, which I didn't know that was a film. <laughs> I mean, other than the dancers, it's a film based on some murders? I'm unfamiliar with this one. Yeah, oh, he was also in Robocop the series, which I actually did enjoy growing up. And, um... He was in an episode earlier that we've covered called Tales I Live, Heads You Die, which I think we're going to be talking about in the next yes. episode. So that's kind of funny that we're getting back to that. And this actor is actually in one other episode uh, connected to the episode that we're covering next. So, uh, it's, it's kind of nice when we have things kind of circle back on each other like this. You are breaking up badly. Oh, it's it's kind of nice when we see things circling back like this. So Guy is driving to a doctor with a serious ear infection, by the way. Reminds me of something you'd see in, like, um, uh, uh, Videodrome or Scanners, the way his head's about Yes! <laughs> I think that's... Yes, that's, that's my, it's, uh, it's a whole, like, melty skin thing. I think it's the way that my doctor last year uh, described my uh, appendix when it was a going septic. And uh, how does your doctor describe it? As the way this guy's face looks. Oh. Uh, this is more like, uh, this thing is diseased and needs to come out of your body, like, now? Yep. Yeah, that's... Because his head was so messed up. Oh, my God. The special effects in this episode are sweet. They're They're, like creepy gory with uh the pus and bubbling and and pulsating oh my god yeah um it is funny then we switch over to curious goods and jack and mickey's reaction to ryan to ryan sorry oh excuse me johnny (laughs) johnny johnny reading about bigfoot rescuing somebody from a ufo which yes that is a ridiculous story but the fact that they can't believe anything that they read in that story, despite what they've been going through the last two years, sounds a little ridiculous and a little out of character. It does. And, you know, that scene actually reminded me of uh, Men in Black, where they actually do take their tips from the tabloids because, the, you know, the, the reporting on the tabloids reports everything versus modern media, which actually reports just the stuff that seems normal. And it it surprises me that they don't actually look at those tabloids for little tidbits either, because these things are ridiculous. What they deal with is ridiculous. You know, there's bound to be something real in there. You know, it's not a bath boy come to life, but hey, there could be a an cursed object that, you know, grants people the ability to fly and stuff like that. We saw in uh, the poison, what was it, the poison pen? With a quill, uh, where the monk wrote down that one of the other monks became able to fly, and he did. So, I don't see how these things can be so outrageous that they shouldn't actually look at the tabloids for news. I thought this was going to be a Johnny-centered episode for a second, because Jack and Mickey are going to an auction. I also was hoping that we would see the auction house. Excuse me. Oh, them trying to bid on, like, cursed objects and them getting away. That would have been a cool plot line, too. That didn't happen. True, but we got, we just had an episode with Johnny as the main main guy in in uh, Crippled Inside. So I'm glad that they came back from the auction. In this episode, they have uh, the the cursed object is a hearing aid, and so the melty face and whatnot is kind of an effect of the hearing aid itself. It's a little unclear as to why it creates the whole creepy skin bubbling effect and it seems that the user that uses the object 
is really in a lot of pain almost all the time. You know, it grants them the ability for telepathy, but yet it needs to be recharged with, as they describe it in the episode, that the thoughts have to transist over to someone else. So they have to transfer, and then the thoughts overwhelm, and it causes bleeding from the eyes and the ears. And, you know, it it, it seemed a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you think about that? Um, I, again, I rate this right up there with, like, it's not the most well-used of, uh, what they needed for. Like, I could see the overwhelming sensation of sound, kind of like how Daredevil, when he first gets his powers, where everyone's voices, all the sounds are very overwhelming, and it, and it causes him to, you know, go a little crazy. I could understand that, but the way they have it in here, where the overwhelming sounds and the... All of that overstimulation just causes the person to grab someone, and then they just kind of expire in their hands. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear how the death actually comes about. Nope. But what when the 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 first guy, the um, what is his name, the old rich guy that uh, falls dead inside the doctor's office at the beginning of the episode, he actually kind of pulls out the. the the, uh, earpiece and it has a a string attached to it like it's been digging its way into his brain it's really creepy and then it retracts after it is out of the body it's like oh that's gross but oh my god that's cool I thought maybe for a second that it was alive or something because it reminded me of the the worms that Khan stuck in people's ears in Star Trek 2 yes yes Totally, totally. Those earworms, those goddamn earworms, yes. It kind of had that little bit of a creepy tail when it retracts back into its, uh, you know, earphone headpiece that, uh, yeah, it kind of looked alive. And, of course, there was also the pulsation and the heartbeat sounds as well occasionally. When the fraud psychic goes to uh, investigate his bad hearing and get a new hearing aid, why the hell would the doctor have his antique hearing device letter just hanging around for a customer to pick up for him to turn around and say, no, no, not that one. It's like, wouldn't you have that in a case or something? Or some, you know, because you're an ear doctor, it's probably you know a valuable thing to you. Being a man of science, you would collect like old medical memorabilia and stuff like that. Why would you have that hanging around with the earpieces the guy's going to pick up? Well, honestly, like when I was researching into these earpieces, they they aren't valuable. Like the the old antique earpieces, they aren't valuable at all. So I could see how a doctor might just have it laying out. It was, you know, you buy one of these on, you know, eBay or some sort of, uh, you know, house. I saw there's a couple of auction houses with them and you could get them for less than two hundred dollars. So it's really not that big of a deal. Um now they said that this now they say that this particular one was the first wireless um, uh, wireless headpiece, you know the wireless earphone. So uh, this hearing aid is the first wireless one. Now I did a little bit of research, and there's a lot of history for earpieces. you know for the at the beginning of hearing aids, there were ear trumpets where it's just a cone that it just amplifies the sound coming into it like any sort of cone does. Um, Then it moved into uh, devices that were wearable, but it was more of a full head thing or a a little box that you put in your pocket with wire that goes from the earpieces and into this um, power box. And the one that they actually show, now I tried to track it down, um, but it might be kind of close to the 1970s, 19, late 1960s, early 1970s version. So it's really not that old. The style that they have uh, shown on the show was maybe only a couple of decades um, prior. So it's not really an antique. Um, it's just old. It, it At the time, you know, this is filmed in 1989 or 1988, depending. And uh, that style, that completely in-ear style, didn't actually come to the forefront until the late 1950s. So until that point, they had the either a full 
head piece or this one really cool one which I which I saw which was made in the 1950s by Oterion Electronics called the Oterion Listener. Now, if you ever want to take a really cool look, go to Google, type in O T A R I O N Oterion Listener. It's actually a set of glasses that have the hearing aids behind the ear. So, it amplifies the sound using the glasses so it is a, it's a hidden system really really cool but it wasn't until um the technology was introduced by zenith radio in the 1960s that these actually became completely in ear with an amplifier and battery unit inside so they were kind of clipped onto the ear but it was inside the ear uh but really, hearing aid technology didn't get that leap into modern technology until the digital. Um, it went hearing aids went from analog to digital, and that was in the early '90s. And 2004 was the first wire uh, E2E wireless system uh, introduced by Simmons in 2004 that had a bilater- bilateral fitting. For your ears, so you could actually hear from both sides using the hearing aids uh, more effectively, and that's the digital technology. Um, this stuff is pretty amazing to kind of conceptualize that these tiny little batteries and amplifiers are actually doing this work. Um, really interesting stuff. So anyway, <laughs> okay, so the psychic basically now has the ability to hear people. It also kind of reminds me of. Uh, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in an episode that had to be delayed until almost um, six months due to the Columbine High School shooting uh, she had the ability to hear people's thoughts it didn't work on her boyfriend Angel but she was able to hear people's thoughts and she found out that one of her classmates was going to do something with a rifle um, and she thought she, they were gonna, he was going to kill fellow classmates and this, hap- this episode was going to air the same week that, ha- that Columbine High School happened Oh, being um, this character, Jonathan ended up actually wanting to kill himself in the bell tower. He's like, I didn't I don't want to kill anybody. And then later on, you find out it was actually I think the the cafeteria teacher was going to kill the student body poisoning the the food. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this episode got delayed until almost September. So it aired like just before season four began. Um, and then, of course, the season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer also had to be delayed because, again, Columbine. And that episode was the entire student body uh, rallying up uh, against the vampires, demons, and the mayor who were going to attack and kill everybody at the school. And they were, these were all students wearing, like, we- you know, brandishing weapons. Hmm. They were all basically behind Buffy in, the, in, in, in her support, you know, in supporting her to stop the mayor from... Uh, uh, ascending to his true form in order to take over the world. Huh, okay, so the telepathy in this episode reminded you of that one? That one, and also in in Nightmare on Elm Street Part uh, 6, or whatever it was, where Jason, uh, sorry, Freddy, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, he amplifies a guy's hearing aid to the point he can hear everything, including a pin drop that sounds like a sonic boom. <laughs> that can't be good for you. No, so... But yeah. this guy can hear anything, and uh, well, just just a, just a warning to our listeners: please do not listen to anything that is too loud or is about the sound of a lawnmower or greater, because your hearing does not come back. Um, Johnny learns the connection uh, to the piece, and they find out that the doctor connected to the beginning of the episode uh, is unfortunately killed. At the same time, the psychic meets a young woman in the audience who he eternally takes home and bangs her. Yeah. Yeah. As I would expect most guys to do if they suddenly got telepathy, you know, they're going to do the right things in order to get what they want, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Now, would you consider that to be sexual violation in some way if you're using it for good reasons though and you're not just like mind wiping her or mind manipulating her to get her in bed okay well in babylon 5 you know in their their psych or they had these rules where you can't actually uh read someone's mind ethically uh-huh. you know unless unless they were submit to the uh, extraction of information, there is not an ethical way to read someone's mind. So I believe that reading someone's mind uh, without their consent is an unethical violation. 
Gotcha. Okay. So that puts that into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he gets the girl, and then he gets on the Stan Elliott show. Now, Stan Elliott is made up for the TV, right? There was nobody called yes. Stan Elliott. Okay, just want to make sure. No. So basically, he was the Johnny Carson, Arsenio Hall, David Letterman. It's a late night, late night talk show, yeah. Okay. Uh, who was on at this time in 1989? It was still Carson, because he hasn't retired yet. It was Letterman. Yeah. And was Arsenio still on? Ooh, 1989. Uh, I don't think Arsenio was on. I think he was. I know that Jason takes Manhattan Friday the 13th Part 8, which came out the year before. Uh, Jason appeared on the Arsenio Hall show. So Arsenio was still on in 88. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, uh, well, it, the original series premiered January 3rd, 1989, and ran until May 27th, 1994. So just made it in time to air along with this episode. Oh, Arsenio was on then? Okay, so then, yes. then, okay, then Jason Takes Manhattan came out in 89 then because, again, Kane Hodder put the costume on and appeared on the Arsenio Hall show as Jason, in character. No obviously <laughs> conversation because Jason doesn't talk. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, and of course they're in you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, in part three, Jay, uh, Freddy goes on a talk show and kills Zsa Zsa Gabor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope my my aunts don't listen to this. Uh Jaja Gabor is the nickname for one of my aunts. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so looking for Adam Cole and meets his agent and then finds out that his he's basically now that he's like super psychic and can read minds, he doesn't need his agent anymore. Jack shares the info with Mickey and John and Mickey go on the show and he's able to hear Mickey's thoughts about what's going on and Mickey directly confronts him, hopefully to lure him into a trap. And they were successful. They they definitely lured him into the trap, but then they got the trap went out of control because Mickey uh, turns down an alley that Johnny can't follow because a cop stops him. What's funny is that they I'm I'm curious what happened between the cop and Johnny because Johnny has been arrested twice and been to jail. <laughs> you know, we find out in this next episode why he gets away from the police all the time. Okay, that's right. We do. But Yes, the next episode gives us that little bit of information, and it, it totally made sense why Johnny feels that he can get away from the cops regardless of the situation. He's got friends on the force. His girlfriend catches him killing after he's killed his uh, former agent, his his, uh, his old buddy. Yeah, that's kind of one of those head shaker moments because she actually witnessed him, be, you know, killing someone, and yet her thoughts, her motivations are all kind of tied in with him being a mentalist, and so she just kind of goes with it, and. Uh, and is just as complicit in this crime because she's supposed to be leading people for him to kill. Yeah. To it, it's it's that weird. Why would you do that type of thing? But yet that hello. Because it's true love. Oh, true love. No, that's not. It's not true love. No, no, no. I mean, she believes it is because she's stupid. Um. I mean, the fact that she's following this guy, I'm sorry. She's not exactly the brightest. I actually think it's her ambition that is clouding her judgment. Well, she was so ambitious to get that executive producer job on that Stan Elliott show that she just allowed all these crimes to just go, you know, yeah. I, th I think it was completely her ego and ambition that allowed her to cloud her judgment. He's the biggest thing in Chicago. He goes on the Stan Elliott show twice. <laughs> Very unusual. And once for a full hour. <laughs> yeah, that is extremely unusual and I don't think has ever really happened maybe in the history of late night television talk shows. <laughs> I don't even think the Beatles were on for a full episode <laughs> of the uh, of the old Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're late night talk shows are supposed to be variety shows, so... Having only one guest on is very unusual. What uh, and then uh, so they go and they they uh, sorry Curious Goods crew finds the agent dead just as Adam is going back on the Elliot Spencer show. Stan Elliot, yeah. Show, excuse me. Sam Elliot, yes, or Stan Stan Elliot. Where are we? I don't know. I've got all my notes spread around me. It's confusing here. Okay. All right. 
You got it? Yes. Okay, go on. Oh. Uh, what was... Wait a minute. Here he goes on the stand and uh, what happens. Did you, you didn't get my message on Facebook, oh. did you? No, I don't have Facebook open. I sent this to you like two hours ago saying I couldn't finish the episode, so you need to finish the episode. Then my DVD oh. Off. All right. Oh no! Sorry, I didn't get the message. Sorry. Okay. Edit edit this out, and I'll. Uh, That's fine. I'll pop Just go here. through the rest of the episode. You got about a minute and a half to to cover it. Okay. Just for time's sake. So, uh, so the crew lure him in. They actually confront him uh, about this. Uh, about the death, and on stage, he requests everyone to prove to him that, you know, try to try to debunk his mentalism powers. And Jack stands up, and he says, I'll, you know, I will prove it. And he says, take that earpiece out of your, out of your head. You know, take off your earpiece. And he says that as a magician, people plant... Planted in the audience, feed information into his headpiece, and that is how he's doing it. And because he can now listen to all of the people around him kind of buzzing about like, oh, he's fake, he's fake, oh, fake, fake, fake. The death he just committed didn't seem to power up his hearing aid enough to actually overcome the pain of having the hearing aid. So it's it's almost as if as soon as his, the audience turned on him, Jack was confronting him, and the mentalist's ego was too strong to actually just kind of call it off and walk off stage, and, and that's it. So instead, he tries to pull out the hearing aid from his ear, and just like we saw in the beginning of the episode, uh, it kills him and does that same effect with the the long string that comes out of his head and it withdraws into the hearing aid. It's, you know, it's, it's very gross. Uh, <laughs> um, and so he's dead. The entire episode, uh, we have a total of, let's see, uh, we have a total of five devs. Now you're not, you, you're, you're not deaf and I'm not deaf, but have you ever had a hearing problem that you needed a hearing aid temporarily? I actually do have a hearing problem. Oh. I cannot hear low tones. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I, You are not a low tone. Oh. You know, Barry White is a low tone. Oh. I cannot hear low tones. Right. But I do not he- wear a hearing aid. Oh, I have a, uh, I think I have an inner ear problem, but I think it's mostly due to allergies, and I need to have drops put in my ears every once in a while to help clean, clean it out. Um, oh. And it causes a, uh, like a tone deaf for me. Like a tinnitus? Something like that, a little bit. Uh, my father actually lost both of his hearing in both of his ears uh, a few years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and as I said, protect your hearing, folks. You don't get it back. No. The little, the little hairs in your ears, the sensitivity of the, um, of the, of the sensors, right. once that is broken, it does not repair itself. Right. The, right. the eardrum itself can repair itself, but not the actual hearing. All right, we're going to be uh, take a break, and then we'll be back with the second episode of Friday the 13th, the series, as we return to the Cult of Satan, da-da-da, here on the Dead TV <laughs> Podcast. To kill. Coming up on Friday the 13th, the series. And raise the dead. It was an antique coin from a witch's coffin. First it killed people, and then it could bring others back from the dead. But now it's fallen into the wrong hands. Welcome back, partner. And who shall become its next victim is anyone's guess. College. The cursed coin and a pocket full of bad memories on Friday the 13th, the series. We are back with the Dead TV podcast with the next episode of Friday the 13th, the series here in season three. The next episode, Bad Penny, originally aired October 30th, 1989. Mickey discovers that a deadly item from her past has resurfaced, a satanic coin that can bring the dead back to life. Got to point something out. Whoever wrote the description on IMDb and Google, it says from her past. That is to uh, make you believe that it's her past before the events of season one. This is yeah. not her past. This is from, when was that episode? Season two? Season two, episode four, I believe it is. Uh, 
Tales I Live, Heads You Die. Right. So in that episode, there's a satanic coin that can kill people, and then the satanic cult brings people back from the dead. Um, Jack and Ryan uh, switch the body out with somebody that they wanted to resurrect, and they end up resurrecting Mickey. Now, Mickey, through the episode, just to get it out of the way, is having basically PTSD uh, because of this. Yes, she is extremely disturbed. She believes the coin is coming after her. The coin is coming after her. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's what she thinks, even though that is not true. No. Now, there's something kind of funny going on with Satanists right now. The Church of Satan has filed a $50 million lawsuit against Netflix over Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Love it. Because of the use of their of their statue in their TV series. Now, the, it's called yeah. the Bo, ba, Bafo, Baphomet? Baphomet, yes, Baphomet. The Baphomet statue. Now, there is claims that this statue cannot be copyrighted, and they can use it forever, whatever means they want. Well, I mean, it is an ancient symbol. That is true. But then you, in the... In the show, you are showing it as being like this demonic god, and that's just not true. And it's just upholding the stereotyped misinformation about witches and sorcery and, and all of the stuff that it doesn't really have anything to do with what they're really showing. According to, De to uh, Dateline, this case presents, among other things, a textbook's example of the hornbook explanation of copyright protection that copyright law protects unique expressions, but not the ideas themselves. Lawyer Bruce Lenderman wrote on behalf of the temple in a complaint filed in federal court uh, this morning, the date that the... Uh, the article came out. What makes this case particularly striking and significant is that it arises in the context of defendants who are highly sophisticated media production and distribution companies which blatantly misappropriated plaintiff's unique expression of an idea even though they have a long history of vigorously protecting their own intellectual property. The much-threatening jury seeking paperwork ads. So, yeah. go watch The Chilean of Sabrina before it's pulled off Netflix. <laughs> I, I really hope they win their case because they took that statue of Baphomet identical to the one that they use on uh, in the religion. Oh, and the, and Baphomet is not really an evil figure. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, that's uh, that's a whole hullabaloo right now going on with um, Satan. Uh, if you watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it's a every five minutes they're like, "Hail Satan! Hail Satan!" Um, it's it's a little cringeworthy when you're really a pagan and. You see what they're doing, and it's like, ah, uh, really, guys? Nobody complained when the comic book was being printed a few years ago. Comic books are different. This is Netflix. Yeah, sorry. I think it's the same thing. I think it's like, okay, then Archie Comics needs to be sued, too. So. Well, I mean, you know, there's only so many people that are going to read the comics. Many, many, many more people are going to see the Netflix show, and that's where it becomes problematic. I don't know. So the coin was last seen basically in the rubble of the temple after the Curious Group, the Curious Curious Goods crew destroyed it. Curious Goods crew, yes. Yeah, so when there, there's an excavation. They and there's a shootout with a couple of cops and a bad guy. The coin is found by the partner of the cop who is killed, and he event he uses the coin to bring his dead partner back from the dead. Now, mm -hmm. it's not just he he does it for let's just say honorable means, but he doesn't exactly come across as being a good cop. He's probably a dirty cop anyway. And Johnny also gets the idea in his head to do the same thing after hearing about the coin and, of course, deal, you know, helping deal with Roby's PTSD of being uh, mm -hmm. killed and brought back from the dead. It kind of reminds me of this right here. I will play for us about coming back from the dead. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. First... <laughs> Sometimes that is butter. Yes, uh, love that line. Yes, as uh, played by um, uh, 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 um, Herman Munster. Yeah, Herman Munster, um, <laughs> and uh, the actor who played Herman Munster, Fred Gwynn, played Herman Munster on the Munsters, and he was bl uh, Bud Cratchit on the uh, uh, in, in Pet Cemetery. Now, the new yeah. one of Pet Cemetery, uh, John Lithgow is playing that character. 
Now, Judd Crandall. Sorry, Judd Crandall is the character's name. You still sound like crap. Many people use the coin for reasons that are either good or bad. Um, earlier you, you said that, because uh, I, I must have missed it, uh, but you caught it. How does Johnny get out of his sticky situations with the police? Oh, well, Johnny knows people on the police force, so he basically just talks his way out of it because he's got friends on the force. His father used to work for the police before he became the security guard of that storage unit where he met his untimely demise. Uh, before that, he was on the police force, and so Johnny kind of knows everyone there. And that is the reason why he can actually get out of all those cop-related mishaps without being charged. Except for the one where he went to jail. <laughs> well, yeah, except for that one. He, I guess he couldn't talk his way out of that. No. Um, but it just, it just it feels like there's a continuity error going on between seasons two and three because it's like, okay, so he can talk his way out of getting in, uh, arrested, and he's got friend, friends of the force that were friends of his father's, so he gets that one phone call that gets him a jail out of free card, but he went to actual jail? I mean, he was actually in prison. He wasn't in a holding cell. He was in prison. No, no. And, and I think it was because there was certain crimes that uh, he couldn't talk his way out of or... Huh? The death of his dad? Yes. I just think that there was a continuity writing error between the two seasons because even in uh, Elise's well, book, she talks about she talks about several times that the, the version of Johnny from season two is vastly different from the version of Johnny in season three. Well, that is perhaps true, but also remember that if he killed, if he you know killed his dad, then the people on the police force that were his dad's friends would have been pissed. So why would they help the guy out? Because it's just not enough. Because the again, uh, there was just the, the circumstantial evidence about how his dad died or whatever should not have been able to land him in prison like the way it did. I mean, the only person at the storage unit other than his dad being there makes sense. Like, why would you believe an invisible guy killed someone? Mm, I don't know. It just uh, the trauma of seeing his dad dead or whatever created a fabricated story. It just it just seems like I don't know. Um, it's just, again, all these convenient, you know, cops or whatever are friends of his, but it's just like, where were they when you, again, you went to jail? Twice? I mean, you went to jail, no. arrested once in the, uh, the, uh, the pool cue episode, and then the second time in the jack that turns people invisible. Yeah, yeah, so, but... Anyway, so Mickey freaks out again because of her PTSD while, uh, Johnny and Dad go on a fishing trip. <laughs> My Dead Dad, that's the name of a sitcom. <laughs> Zombie Cop. That's the name of an action show or a movie. <laughs> uh, I'm sure someone made it somewhere. <laughs> Some B-rated movie. I'm sure if I typed in on IMDb right now, Zombie Cop. Oh, everything's really slow. Zombie <laughs> Cop. I well, you notice that everyone that gets brought back by the coin, except Mickey, ends up being kind of zombified. Okay, so 1991, 2015, and 1988, there are three movies under IMDb with the title Zombie Cop. Uh, one, of, one of which most people probably know as Dead Heat. Yeah! <laughs> uh. Yeah, but in 1991, there was an actual movie called Zombie Cop. During a drug raid, a narcotics officer confronts a strange voodoo priest named Dr. Death, who is chanting, the officer and the priest shoot it out, and they both wind up dead. Later, the later the two rise from the graves and return to the land of the living as zombies. Dr. Death is resurrected with a new mission in mind to take over the world. The zombie cop enlists the aid of his old police buddies to stop the mad priest. And then, of course, Dead Heat is about a machine that brings a, uh, a couple dead officers back to life. It's supernatural cannibal. Uh, sorry, two police officers are brought back to life to chase down supernatural criminals. Oh, uh, yeah, those sound like winners. <laughs> You've never seen Dead Heat? No, I have, a very long time ago. It's hilarious. But apparently in other countries, it's called Zombie Cop. Zombie Cop. And it's relevant to what we're talking about because it, take, it came out in 1988. Well, this episode... Uh, which Elise Wax says should have been called Tales I Love Heads You Die Number Two, uh, was originally the title The Flip Side of Death. And I, I kind of like that name instead of Bad Penny. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, but it's great that the continuity was uh, well paid attention to for this episode. With the with the, a couple of exceptions, there's a little... A little uh, um, oddities like the gravestone for his dad had the wrong dates. Oh yeah, I just 
that stuff is yeah little little tiny things that stuff is important too i just you kind of wonder who wasn't like looking at like when did the character die in the show to uh go back and fix that yeah yeah because they would have he would have died in 1988 but the show aired in 1989 so you know 88 is probably the the earliest that he could have died what was the year on the grave 1987. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, unless the show does, was, uh, unless the episode was filmed, like, in 87 and didn't air until 88, which is completely possible. It is possible. Yeah. Yeah, nothing is out of the realms of possibility unless we actually get an answer from someone specifically that was there. The episode was directed by by William Fruitt, by the way, and written by uh, Marilyn Anderson. William Fruitt we've talked about before. Marilyn Anderson, I, I believe we've talked about, yes. She wrote the other episode, Tales I Live, Heads You Die, in the Mephisto ring. Oh, okay. So she had those in mind and uh, kind of maybe intended to do this as a two. Say that again? You got cut off. Uh, maybe this was intended to be a two-parter episode. Gotcha. Um, Ed Setreikian plays the cop who brings his buddy back to life, and he was born in 1928, and as far as I'm aware, still alive today. Is that the, uh, the, the, the dead cop or the living cop? The living cop. Still working. Living cop. You know, I actually looked at him, and I thought he was from a different episode, but this was the only episode of Friday the 13th, the series he was on. Yeah, his buddy, uh, his buddy, the dead... Just has one of those recognizable faces. His buddy, by the way, the dead cop, uh, has been in several things I've seen before, like Ginger Snaps and Murder at 1600, The Prince and Me. Hmm. Uh, He was in X-Men Apocalypse, uh, the last uh, X-Men movie in theaters, um, and uh, several other films. That's a uh, John Bourgeois, right? Correct. Uh, isn't it funny though? Uh, Johnny takes his dad out on that fishing trip again, much like a sitcom. Me and my dead dad. <laughs> <laughs> Dead dad. It was sweet. Out. Me and my dead dad just going on a trip, you know. And like, <laughs> I could, it was sweet though. It I was sweet. Being an '80s sitcom, like my two dads, or or uh, you know whatever, <laughs> coach or something. Yeah, yeah. It, you could do like I, I I think if you were to take this episode, take small little clips. And put them together, basically of like his dad smiling, Johnny smiling and laughing, and then pictures of a campsite. And you could probably montage this, put some overlay words on it to be the entrance of this '80s uh, show that you're talking about. My dead dad. It would be hilarious. Now, uh, someone's got to do that. Jack tells uh, Johnny that he doesn't want anything more to do with him to stay out of their business. And at the end of the episode, he's all like, it's okay, we've all made mistakes, and you're now one of us because nobody related to anybody at Curious Goods is allowed to live. (laughs) Even if you come back as a zombie. (laughs) Well, Jack was pissed because he actually used the object. Right. You know, just like all of these other objects where they could get some benefit out of it, they try not to actually use the object for those purposes. You know, her friend with cancer ends up not being cured by the uh, the, the rattle, the shaman's rattle. Yeah. Um, and she's left Jack, alone at the end of the episode, which was like incredibly yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> Jack does get the... Uh, the scalpel used on him to make sure that he's got has a successful operation, but that is kind of out of their hands. They don't really have any influence, you know. Either way, the doctor is going to operate on Jack. Um, but really, most of the time, these objects they just kind of get passed through their hands and put into the vault, and you're not supposed to use them. The objects may tempt them, but then they resist. Uh, and Johnny, you know completes it and he takes the the charge up of the um dead uh, prostitute rita which the coin is powered up and now can deal out the you know giving life to a corpse and and he he uses it so it, it leads me to wonder is johnny therefore cursed or, or not cursed but uh his soul is now 
uh, due to the Satan simply because he used the object. But he used it to kill his dad again, too, so maybe that kind of nullifies it. I don't know. I don't know. You know, at what point does the object uh, claim someone's soul? Like, if that were the case, perhaps Mickey might actually be uh, a zombie because all the other people that got re... Uh, reanimated from the coin ends up being zombified, and she's the only one that still is living and breathing. Because Mickey is pure and good of heart and ta- says, her, says her prayers. By oh, please. I don't, oh, please. I, I'm, not, I'm not, I mean, we would definitely have to bring this episode up to Jim Henson and be like, hey, why isn't Mickey, like, a crazy zombie chick? Why is she, like, exempt? Is it because, well, she's the main character and that's just the way it is? I, 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 I think that's that. what, what the answer would be. Yeah, definitely. You can't really kill off your main female lead. No, no, no. And especially after you de-aged your main male lead. <laughs> <laughs> or your youthful male lead, yes. Right. So they have a big hug it out at the end of the episode, and all's well that ends well. And he basically is now one of them because he did lose somebody because of... Uh, I mean, he lost his dad before, but, you know, that yeah. was before he became part of the crew. And he just lost his dad again, so... He did get some closure, though. His dad made a lot of really good statements to him. Yeah. It was nice. He doesn't have any memory beyond when he came back from the dead, which, you know, makes complete sense. Um, just like you were a clone, yeah. you wouldn't have any memories of the previous life from being a clone, you know what I mean? Uh, uh true. But uh, me, then in that case, like, all of these things, all of the things that we're stating would have to apply to Mickey as well, because she was dead for at least a day. But none of these effects ever happened to her. It's just a weird thing, and then, you know, it's television. Oh. Um, how many people died and came back to life in this episode? <laughs> in this episode, we have... I Now, I am only counting the people that actually died, not the ones that came back and then died. Like if he, So there's a total of four. I'm not counting the death of the father because he was already dead. And I'm not counting Briggs's second death because he was already dead. So only four people died. Um, and we've already discussed about the coin. I don't have any satanic coins. Do you own any satanic coins? Not satanic. I own lots of coins, but not not satanic ones. I've got uh, collectible coins, silver coins, uh, ancient American coins... Um, some magical coins, some pre-printed coins, but not anything like the Rams had coin of Dam- uh, Zamlicles, gotcha. which that's all made up for the show. Gotcha. Did you ever see the uh, the witch? The witch? With Royal Dolls? Yes. The the movie that came out a couple years ago? Oh, if it came out a couple years ago, I haven't seen it. It's about a uh, New England folks, uh, folk tale. Uh, it's called The Witch. Witch is spelt like with two V's. Uh, it's like a black poster with like a goat's head on it. You should totally check it out. Okay, all right. It's really good. It's a really pacey, but it's really good. And yes, it does put witches involved with like Satanism. You know, it's something yeah. problem with that. But the movie is just a really good horror movie too. I'm I'm kind of tired of the whole witches being evil thing. It's like we only do evil when you know we really need to. But then it's like, well, then you know, it, it's also it's also a work of fiction too. You know what I mean? Yeah, but how many times does a fictional thing end up being the truth in some people's minds? You know, Fox News cons a whole lot of people every day by by them saying that things are real when they aren't. So I really don't want the whole, you know, witches are evil all the time to be in the collective unconsciousness. Like, we're not bad. Oh, well, you, you know, can have them. You can get, I mean, I guess you can have your, uh, you can get your good witches. There's that great new revival in Charmed that's on TV. Right? Charmed. I, I don't like that show either. <laughs> Just because it's it's sloppy melodrama. It's, it's an absolute piece of shit is what it looks like currently. The new Charmed absolute looks like garbage. Um, and the old Charmed, by the way, I, I after... I have tried to rewatch Old Charm, and I watched like this reviewers' videos of like every season of Charm. That was like the worst show ever. I, I can't do it. It's so bad. I can't do it. Like the women on that show were written to be like just so, like horny, into themselves, 
like every other episode it's like you know all about themselves and it's like oh well well yeah i I guess i gotta be a hero today and like you know it's like every other season or episode it's like oh my god they forgot about their responsibilities to the world with their superpowers because they're witches but they still have you know superpowers because it's tv um I, I tried to watch that show because it, it was witchy and it was popular at the time that it originally aired, and I just couldn't do it. Like, just seeing the depiction of witches being this cheesy, powerful, but yet self-absorbed, it was just blah nonsense. Right, right. No, I understand, I understand. Well, that's pretty much it for this week's episode of the Dead TV Podcast. You can check us out on Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast. We do apologize for last week's episode being a little bit screwed up. I don't know what happened, but the RSS feed, just something happened. But it has been corrected, and episodes three and four are now where they're supposed to be. It's not John's interview again. A lot of people kept saying that, you know, they're wondering if it was like it hadn't been loaded up to Stitcher or whatever. But it's fixed now. I apologize. It's fine. Don't worry about it. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, then you don't need to worry about it because the new RSS feed has uh, fixed itself. So uh, this episode it will be airing on Friday. So today, the time that we're saying this, I don't know why I'm even saying this, but I cut this part out. Uh, thank you to Wicked Chronic for Natick, Massachusetts for renewing their sponsorship with us. Really appreciate that. Also, you can find us on Twitter at ChrisDSAV. And at Elegantly Kinky. Thank you, everybody, and happy Veterans Day to any and all veterans. It's the day we're recording this. It is Veterans Day. Thank you for your service.